Tere õhtust, armselt puuduta mind saatevaated ja meil on täna külas Eerik Drew Young. Me hakkame rääkima nagu te siin välimusest juba võitegi arugi saada budismist. Ja kas te ei teate, ei ma pean nüüd igaks üks piilambad, kas ma ütlen õieti, puuduta mind sankskriti keeles tähendab siis nammo. Ja ime ilus sõna nammo. How you say? Nammo. Nammo. To literally, to touch hands. But it means much more than that. Touch a heart, maybe? You know when a little child is starting to learn to walk, and they'll walk away from their mother, and then they realize they've gone too far out, and they turn and they see mom, and they run back and they grab her? That's nammo. That reconnecting, like back to home base, kind of, or back to where everything is, like, oh yeah, okay. Namo's more than that, though. It's also like, if you haven't seen someone for a long time, like at the airport, you used to see this a lot. Somebody had been away for a long time, and they come home, they get off the plane, and they would run to each other and embrace each other. That that embrace is also namo. But in the Sanskrit word, it means more than that. It's also it's like when you communicate with somebody and you touch them deeply. You give them something. something touch that, their soul? Yeah, something mm -hmm. that they didn't have before. Mm -hmm. You feed them. That would also be nammo. But it's also, it's also that quality of where uh, when you're looking at yourself and you're thinking about the future self you want to become, mm -hmm. the better you you'd like to grow into or be, you know, train yourself to be, that role model or that goal model, you would also be namoing that. It's a beautiful word in Sanskrit. Yeah, but isn't it like puduta uh, mean, for example, it means like a physical mm -hmm. touch too. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah. very often like uh, men and women uh, physical touch. Does it? In Sanskrit, it, it literally translates as touch hands. So to reach oh, out and to make contact. It's, yes. If you do that, you're namoing somebody. To embrace them, to connect them. First, explain in Estonia quickly yeah. what is going to happen in this weekend. Because uh, you are here for how many days? I'll be here through the weekend. Through the weekend. Ühesõnaga, räägin kähku Eesti keeles äras, me peame vähemalt substiitrit parema. Ühesõnaga reedel 7. veebraaril siis, kella kuuest poole kaheksani, rahvusraamatukogu väikses saalis, tõnismägi kaks. On selline happening toimub siis nagu, mis teeb meid õnnelikuks. What makes us happy? It's going to be this kind of... Happening and uh, but I in, in this way I can ask what makes us happy what you're going to tell us Estonian sure. people what <laughs> we can be happy Can I can I back up and explain a teeny bit of why I came to Estonia in the first of place? Course. Would that be okay? Of course. Because because it fits together. <laughs> okay uh, This is my tenth visit to Estonia. Okay And and the first time I came and I'll be totally honest and it's embarrassing for me I didn't know about Estonia. I, my mother likes to travel, and, and we travel together a lot. And she wanted to take a trip on a boat through Russia. So she asked if I would come along. I said, sure. If I, you know, I, I know people in Russia. Some of our Sangha members, are, our community are in Russia. And I thought, yeah, it'd be great. I'll take a trip with mom. 
And Russia is kind of an intense place. Mm -hmm. And after several weeks traveling through Russia, I came to the border and, and was entering into Estonia. And weirdly, the weather had been sort of dark and heavy mm -hmm. until we got to the border. And the sun came out just as we crossed the border. And I came into Estonia, and you all blew my mind. You were, it was such a difference and such a, a, a feeling here of being happy, happy to sort of be yourselves, be independent, be, mm -hmm. you know, be becoming who you want to be, basically. And then I heard about the singing here. I, I started to research a little bit, like, okay, so okay. who are Estonians and what does it mean to be an Estonian? And I asked a lot of people on that trip, it was like, okay, you're Estonian, what does it mean? And I heard these wonderful stories about how you have managed to survive as a culture and a language and the songs. And for me, the songs are a big deal. I, I grew up with folk music. And, and so I decided to come back. I thought, wow, if, if these people can get through that history and still be intact here, still have a sense of self inside that they want to like explore and put into the world, <laughs> one woman said, I said, so what, you know, tell me about Estonia. And she said, she was studying political science, and she said, our domestic policy is we just want people to know we exist. <laughs> We're here. Mm -hmm. And there was a sweetness about the way she said it. And I thought, wow, all right, my job professionally is happiness. That's the, I, I studied the science of happiness. I teach the science of happiness. Mm -hmm. And... I would really like to come back and get to know Estonians better, spend more time here, and, and you know, connect. <laughs> to know <laughs> a little. <laughs> to know a little. Okay. So I've been back now. This is my 10th trip back. And you are a very interesting group of people, a really interesting culture. And to me, the science of happiness makes a lot of sense here. Like, how do you get through difficult times without losing yourself and losing your values and losing what you care about. Mm -hmm. If you look at Buddhism, at least the way I see Buddhism, uh, and, and keep in mind, now this is a little tricky, Buddhism is almost 3,000 years old and it's very complex and it's traveled all over the world. So there are many kinds of Buddhists, many flavors of Buddhism. You can turn Buddhism into a religion if you want. There are religious practitioners who are Buddhists. You can also reduce Buddhism to a philosophy, just a bunch of ideas you can think about, a very heady sort of thing. But in its truest form, it is happyism, Buddhism. The science and art of happiness. <laughs> this, is, this is very <laughs> cute, actually, because, you know, uh, I feel I don't know anything about Buddhism, not 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 much at least, but I feel uh, some kind of strange connection to it, you know, like Lisa in Simpsons uh, cartoon. <laughs> I forgot. Was Lisa? Lisa was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally forgotten that. You see. Oh it's the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now I understand uh, myself better, maybe. Ah. <laughs> 
Okay, now you made uh, us happy. Very good. Next, uh, next thing. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> we are already happy here in Estonia. So, but Laupäeval läheb siis edasi kogu teema. How to be successful? It's in uh, Saturday. Uh, 8. veebraaril siis, kella 10, kella 5. Ja jällegi siis Pärnu Maate 32 seekord, seal on Yoga Residence. Ma isegi ei tea, mis see siis on. Pärnu Maate 32 igal juhul on see koht. And you are going to uh, tell us how to be successful. This is more interesting for me. Yeah, this is very interesting. Uh, no, okay, this is interesting for you, but this is, for me it is interesting how, uh, how Buddhist yeah. describes Success. The success. Buddhists are not successful. They are only <laughs> one pair of I don't he know. <laughs> Traveling around the world, mamma mia. <laughs> Alright, so first of all, let's let's let me back up it again a teeny yeah, bit. Go back. If you look at you living real life, which is what Buddhism is really about just how we get through real life and who we, who we become in real life. You've noticed you have some really bad days, days when you are not successful, everything is going wrong. And you also have these other days. They're strange sometimes because everything sort of somehow magically comes together and just works beautifully. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. those, those two, okay. The, this is weird, but I can prove this on the weekend. <laughs> I need a little more time for this, but the exact same science that would study happiness is the science that studies those two days and how you make sense out of the two days and why in one day it really all just goes completely sideways on you. Mm -hmm. And just everything ends up bad. You end up stressed dysfunctional, discouraged, overwhelmed, burned out, sick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But not just you inside, but everything around you can kind of get really out of... It's called a stress. Yeah, out of this. If, mm. if, if you aren't connecting from here, if you aren't making contact from here and it's all lined up, how did that happen? So this weekend we're going to be talking about that science and what we've learned from it and how we apply those tools those insights to real life. So as a Buddhist, yeah, you can be enormously successful. I mean, financially, you could, you could be Buddhist and be very rich. You could be Buddhist and be very famous. You could be Buddhist and be very creative. In fact, I believe that if you apply Buddhist principles, you will do all of those things better than if you're not applying those principles. This makes sense. Okay. Mm. So what is it that makes the good days good and the bad days bad? Is sort of that's the weekend. Okay. Yeah. Can, but can you change your by self these bad days? Uh, now I'm waking up today, for example, and I feel everything going wrong. Nothing works. Nothing mm -hmm. at all. Can I change it? Yeah, it's a brilliant question. And I. Uh, if it's okay, it's helpful for me if we talk real life. Mm. I'm not very good at philosophy and theoretical stuff. I really prefer to talk about like what's really happening. And the way you describe that is very real. There are mornings we wake up and we just know we're mm -hmm. off. The answer to your question is yes. There's, in my lineage, we take this practice 
of happiness and the science of success and happiness very sort of, can you say seriously as a Buddhist? Uh, we're good at it, I guess is what I mean. Mm -hmm. With a little training and a few tools, yeah, I can get you from a very rough start. In English, we would say you're getting up on the wrong side of the bed. Do you have an expression mm -hmm. yes, like that in same. Estonia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, every culture has an interesting expression, yeah. like, yeah, the wrong foot touched the floor first or something. No, yeah, this, is, yeah, this is what this doing Bad here, they... Would it be nice to be able to, like, no, you're, you're already starting off. Nah, this is not going in the right direction. And have a series of tools and just simple, simple real-life practices that would just put you right back into that flow where you're heading back out the door now from here where you can make contact with the world in your life, in your career, in your family, friends, the things you care about, in is a way it, that There is uh, some small exercises or what? Yeah. Or, or exercises. thinking. Oh, thinking. Give us uh, some ex examples, you yeah. know. We need something. Uh, if, you look, if you look at the good days and the bad days, mm -hmm. there are very clear patterns. And and it doesn't take a lot of digging into your real life experience to begin to realize, wow, like every time I go down this road, it ends up bad and it makes more bad in the future. Like it gets harder and harder to get up in the morning and get back on track. Mm -hmm. You have noticed that pattern yeah, in your life? Yeah, okay. of course. Yeah. I you don't? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> anger, jealousy, greed, pride, and ignorance uh -huh. are choices we make to respond in the day to try to cope with the good and the bad days. Most of us are, are taught in one way or another, anger is power. If you don't get angry, you don't have power. and You'll be hurt, you'll be bullied. Most people are taught that jealousy has something to do with love. People are taught that greed has to do with abundance. People are taught that pride is a sense of uh, self, self-worth. Mm -hmm. And ignorance, we're taught, is bliss. Turns out, that's not true. And if we choose to respond to a situation within ourselves or around us with that kind of thinking, it pulls us out of that flow and that grace where we just are alive and functional and having a good day. If you look at your best days, you at your best, mm -hmm. really, like your peak performance, you know how you have that sometimes? You're going along and everything just lines up amazingly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I know. happening yesterday <laughs> with me. <laughs> yeah, it was. Good day. Yeah. I'd rejoice. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Everything was perfect. Were you, were you upset with anybody or yourself? Yesterday? Yeah. No. Were you feeling like you had to be the best at everything, and if anybody was better than you, it was a bad day? That's jealousy. Your mm. happiness makes me suffer. Okay. It's not there. Okay. Were you feeling like, I need something to be whole and okay? I'm missing something fundamental, and without it, I can't be okay. Or were you just creative? You notice you on a good day, it's fun, because the things you don't have, you just figure out how to get. Mm -hmm, you, you, get mm -hmm. you get creative. Okay. You on your best, there's no greed. I need that. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, we'll just figure it out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And on a best day, pride is isolating. I truly exist separate from you, independent of you. There's no connection with pride. On a bad day, you feel it a lot. I'm all alone. I'm separate. I'm, I'm not connected. Yesterday, you were connected. Okay. Does it make any sense? No more. Yeah, it makes. Yesterday it makes. was no more. 
Good day. <laughs> See, you have a good day here. You have a good show. I love that. <laughs> okay. You start to ignore what's happening around you, and it, it throws the day off. Okay. You were paying attention yesterday. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this I and like. This is successful. This, this, this is success. Is success. Like uh, acting like this is success, or what is success actually? Okay, that's actually a, that's a heavy question. I know. Okay. You really? I can go there. <laughs> yeah, go. We have time. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. There was a huge study done. I like research a lot. And there was a huge study done at Harvard University. It started after World War I. It ran through World War II all the way up until just a couple of years ago. It's the longest human study ever conducted. Their goal was to look at happiness and success. That was what they set out at the beginning to study. What makes a life fulfilling and good? And you get to the end of that life and you feel like, okay. But those researchers say died long before they found out that. Exactly. <laughs> that, I, you're the first person I've mentioned this to who's like, wait a minute, that's exactly right. Those researchers knew for a fact they would not live to see the outcome of their research. They mm. knew they were going to have to hand it off. Three different teams over time picked up and carried on the research with the same group of people. It was a huge group of people. Mm -hmm. They thought success was going to be about you know, being a healthy, educated, you know, rich. Rich, of course. And they measured everything. Beautiful. Be exactly. No joke. That's so funny you should say that. They picked the most beautiful, big, strapping, white men at Harvard. Because oh, they wow. thought they would have the best shot of being successful and being happy. Now, right away, they realized this is probably stupid. So they let a bunch of other men in who weren't so big and strapping and like football, like, oh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then they let the women in, which was fantastic. So literally, there was a huge group of people in this study. When they got to the end of the study, they, there was an enormous amount of information. We know for a fact alcohol destroys pretty much everything if you abuse it. It was the single most destructive thing in terms of success, happiness, well-being, connection. It destroyed everything. What they found in the study was the key to life and the key to success, and this is weird because it's so Buddhist, you need to learn how to let love in. If you can figure out how to be successful at making contact, meaningful contact, like heart contact, in a loving way, somebody who's really there for you, supports you, cares about you, wants you to be happy, wants you to be successful, you've got a good chance of being successful and happy. After that, can you learn to love somebody else? If you can learn to take love in and to give love, you're going to end up living a successful life, whatever you choose to do after that. You might be a big business person, you might be a small person in the community, it doesn't matter. Uh -huh. The key is love. And that really is the essence mm -hmm. of the science of Buddhism. This so. is beautiful. It's easy also. Yeah, too easy. <laughs> too easy for us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> Let's continue. Pyhäpäivällä Sandi, yhdeksäntel februarilta siis kyllä kymmeneskellä vieni. Kyllä se magnetiseeriminen. No, mä isän talkulla arvusin, kun mä alustasin, että mitä siis on, se on likitempaminen, siis magnetiseeriminen. Ehkä siis magnetin ja entä kylke tempaminen. Magnetization of abundance. What does that mean? 
Here's a translate for me. I only caught part of it. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's not that good. Magnetization. How you how you how you abuse how you do, do it. It's, it's all this uh, uh abundance comes to you. So sort of the, the science of magnetism? Yes. Wow. You're asking very interesting <laughs> questions, but not so easy <laughs> ones. It's good, I like it. <laughs> All right. This gets back now to the science part of this. And this I really do need more time to explain, but I can explain it in great detail. Okay. When you when you make a choice here to orient yourself to your world, okay? Okay. Th that we do that every moment. Every moment we're kind of navigating life and trying to figure out how to get through that moment or that day. And we're trying to get away from the bad moments and into the better flow of the good moments. Mm -hmm. The choice we make here is going to send out a kind of field of energy. And, and in quantum physics, you can actually make quite a lot of sense out of this. Um, that, that's what we're discovering in the, in the science, science, the hard sciences. It, it's, it's all about energy the whole universe really, I mean all of this, if you were to examine it carefully, really try to penetrate the fabric of reality, what you discover is it's all energy. Uh -huh. You are a very powerful source of energy and whatever you put into the play of the moment, into the, you know, into, into the act of you in that moment, it is radiating out a kind of energy it will magnetize back the same frequencies of energy to you. And this is why, for instance, if you choose to get upset with yourself or with somebody else, you're sending out that frequency of energy and you're going to pull back in more of that same frequency. If you choose to, I mean, I'll give you a simple example. Can I, can I give you one more piece of though? This is, I'm sorry, I have to kind of back up. Okay, okay. okay it's important to understand something that's misunderstood today. There's a term that's common now, meditation. People think meditation is like this, like, oh. Mm, what I was talking to <laughs> yesterday about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Literally, according to Buddha's teachings, Buddha taught meditation means thinking anything two or more times in a row. Mm. So if you're thinking, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm such a failure, I'm no good, you're beating yourself up. And you do that repeatedly. You're creating a frequency of energy that is radiating out from you. And it's affecting everything around you. Everything will resonate around you to that energy you're sending out. And it'll start to magnetize back to you. So you'll have these weird experiences. You're going down the street and like out of nowhere, somebody just yells, you idiot, you're, what, you're no good. What are you doing here? Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, I knew it. <laughs> I thought I was no good, but now they're telling me I'm <laughs> no good. This is confirmation. <laughs> I never think like this. No, no, it's because I you're, you're healthy. <laughs> I scream also. <laughs> okay. If I understand what you're saying. Yes. If you send out a frequency like, I wish I was okay, I wish I was okay, I wish I was okay, what you're going to magnetize back to you is not being okay, mm -hmm. but wanting to be okay. If you tell yourself, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm the best, I'm the best, but you aren't really doing your best, you're going to magnetize the lie back to you. So you actually do need to have integrity with yourself. You need to be growing and becoming a better and better you. If you're mag sending that out, then you magnetize all of the support that comes back at that frequency, and you get the help you need. You get the, you know, the tools you need, the support you need to continue to grow. Yeah. But if I like, 
try to send some kind of uh, message to the universe that oh I'm rich I'm rich I know that uh, this is false of course then you won't get I'm rich back no so what would you have to send out if you wanted to magnetize abundance does it make sense as a question do you yeah it does in Buddhism again this is all part of a, a very complex but beautiful science you can study that what would be the frequency of abundance? If I were to send something out, what would come back as abundance? And the answer is really simple. Generosity. If you feel like you can give something, even a smile, or just a kind touch, then what comes back to you is more of that energy. So in Buddhism, we leverage that understanding. And mm -hmm. if you want to be rich, I can show you how to be rich. I mean, you're already rich, so... I'm rich? I don't know. <laughs> you have all this. <laughs> I'm looking at my foot. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> They're nice boots. Oh my God. Uh, let's take, uh, because we don't know anything about Buddhism, really, in Estonia. I think so. I don't know about you. No, um, I don't know much either. Yes. But what, what are the basics of Buddhism? What, what are the basic things? You are uh, vegetarians, I guess, no? No, you don't no. drink alcohol. I, 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 you're wrong. You can. you can. In my lineage, okay. <laughs> I don't know where the <laughs> alcohol <laughs> came from. I don't know. No, because <laughs> there are there are some Buddhists that are very strict about like no meat, no alcohol, no fun, and they're very just like. Uh -huh. I don't come I'm from that school of Buddhism. I'm thinking it's always. Yeah, I know. I don't come from that school of Buddhism. You should go with us. We have good parties. <laughs> we have really good parties. What we don't do is ab is abuse things like alcohol. A little alcohol is okay because it loosens you up and it makes you a little more like open, easier to make contact. <laughs> Too much alcohol and you make contacts you shouldn't be making, so there's like <laughs> any medicine, there's a threshold there. Okay. So, yeah, you can be Buddhist and drink alcohol, you just can't abuse it. You can be Buddhist and eat meat if you want, but I mean, that's a tricky one. It's better to not kill other beings. And you are Lama. Lama is different than a simple monk. Two totally different things. Oh, Mama, so Tell can you, yeah. We don't know anything about it. That's okay. There, in Buddhism, this is, again, this is going to get complicated fast. There are easily 500 variations of monks and nuns in the Buddhist nuns tradition. Nuns too? I thought yeah. that only men can oh, be. No. <laughs> no, no. No, that was actually really important. Uh, when Buddha Shakyamuni was born, I mean, he's, he's a person, he's a real person, and he was, you know, he really lived and did his things and t taught a lot. Women weren't, women weren't even as valuable as a cow. I mean, exactly. It, it, so Buddha actually, Buddha, Buddha was one of the most profound women's liberation, like, champions in history. He basically said, no, that's crazy. If you want to wake up, if you wanted to really train your mind to tap into your full potential, to take your journey as far as it could go, to get to true happiness, you could do that as easily as a man could do that. The Lama is an academic uh, sort of title. It just means that uh, after something like 30 or 40,000 hours of formal training, my tradition recognizes me as a formal authorized teacher. So it's like an academic. Mm. Uh, so you don't uh, actually live in monastery or something. Well, I'm also a monastic. 
I, I, hold, I do hold the monastic, the, the babiest of the monastic vows, um, but we don't really have a monastery so much. Um, I, I live with my teacher and another monk and a few other people uh, about nine months out of the year uh, where we train and we translate and we write a lot. And then for about three months I come out and travel and do this sort of thing. I know that originally you are from uh, United States, but where is the location of this this place? Yeah, the, the monastery-like facility we have, technically it's called a retreat center. Uh, it's in the state of Oregon, hmm. um, and it's, it's a very beautiful place. It's out near the coast, the ocean. Um, not on the ocean, but it's, it's kind of in, on that side of our mountains, and it's in the forests, and it's very peaceful and nice and isolated, and so we can just focus on trying to trying to move this whole system out of Tibetan and into English. The, the Tibetan culture is being destroyed, and with it, the Buddhist systems are being torn apart. So we're trying to preserve the science of happiness for the rest of the world and future generations, so we don't keep. Mm -hmm. But uh, days. but you know you you are talking about happiness, but uh, happiness is being together and uh, about love. Can you get married? I could. Oh, you could. Yeah, are I would. Married? I would give up. I would choose to give up my monastic vows if I did that, because it probably wouldn't be very fun for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was married before, um, but after our paths sort of reached a place where we realized. We really are going in different directions at this point. So uh, now you discovered that actually uh, living together, uh, marriage, this is not happiness, but uh, being... Oh, I wouldn't say that at all. I, I would say of all the things you could do in life, finding someone to connect with, to make contact with that you care about and who cares about you, mm -hmm. that's probably the, probably the coolest thing you can do in a, in a worldly sense. But again, it, it, it comes back to what, what we would consider as true love, like real love. Have you ever had this thing where <laughs> you meet somebody, you don't feel so good in you, but you know they're going to make you whole, like they're going to be the cause of your happiness? So you get together, you connect that way. How long does it last? Usually not very long. <laughs> the problem is that person can't be your other missing part. But what they can be for you, and this is really lovely, they could be a really good partner with you. Look, I'll help you wake up. I'll help you heal you. I love you. I want you to be happy. That's what love means in Buddhism. I want mm. you to be happy. I want you to have the causes of happiness. Of course. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, so this is a little bit like a lesson for those people who think that, okay, I need uh, just this uh, perfect somebody and then I, I... That'll be okay. Yeah, but it uh, doesn't work like this. It can't work like that, because that person will always end up failing to make you happy. They can participate in your happiness, they can join your happiness, and they can certainly make contact with you. They can touch you in a very meaningful way, but that needs to translate into you loving you, you wanting to be a better you, you wanting to grow. The difference between that bad day and that really good day you're just more enlightened on that good day. That's what enlightenment is really about. Mm -hmm. You becoming a better you, a more functional you, a, a happier, more grounded, more creative person connected to life and everything going on in life.
you can every every person can be a Buddhist because people have different uh, uh, characteristics. Uh, somebody, like, oh. uh, you know, uh, my favorite uh, quote about happiness is uh, by Dickens, Charles Dickens, mm, who said that uh, happiness is a thing that you have or you don't have. And, um, and somebody just not as open to happiness and they don't have qualities to be happy. One of the things about happiness, it's, and this is again where Buddhism stops really being a religion because in, in all religious systems if you look into the fabric of a religious system there's always an answer about what's going to make you happy. Where does happiness come from? And what sets Buddhism apart from other religions is that unlike all the other religions, happiness is outside of you. It's something that's given to you or bestowed upon you or you get it from somehow from the outside. What Buddha said that was so different was, look, the truth is, the very essence of you is true happiness. It's why you don't like the bad days. It's why you try to move away from them. Nobody teaches you to dislike suffering. Nobody needs to remind you you don't like it. It's always there. It's sort of omnipresent, can you say that? Whereas when you're in the flow of a good day, when you're most alive, most creative, most connected, most making meaningful contact, you know, with yourself and with those around you, it feels good. You like it. And, and again, no one needed to teach you that. No one needs to remind you you should like that moment. That moment is just in resonance with you. So happiness in Buddhism is not something you get. It's something you got rid of that allowed you to feel that happiness. You, you decreased anger, jealousy, greed, pride, ignorance, and the energy that, that they create. By doing that, you are automatically you, uniquely, interestingly, funly, and healthfully connected or meaningfully connected to everything around you. So that's the science of Buddhism is happiness by definition is decreasing the cause of suffering. Yeah, but uh, for example, businessmen, they can't uh, like maybe give away this greed thing or something. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Look, they just can't. You could. You would just be doing. Want. You would be doing business in a healthy way, not in a pathological way. Greed simply says, not that I want to create more. Greed says that more is going to be the cause of my happiness. That's what gets them set up for failure. More and more and more doesn't make them any happier because they're not decreasing the negative thinking. Mm -hmm. But you could be a brilliant business person and not cling to the success of the business as the cause of your happiness, but instead cling to the success of your business as an expression of your creativity and the contribution you want to put into the world. And if you get rich doing that, it's only because you've been putting generosity out as a frequency and magnetizing back abundance. Mm. So simple. Everything is so it simple. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is simple. You know. But Wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if it were simple? <laughs> so, so simple. Okay. Strange, you're coming, uh, I don't know, if, uh, do you want that I'm saying that, but you're coming uh, from America. Right. Is it okay if we say now well, there is always <laughs> it doesn't matter where you come from. No, I come from I come from one part of the Americas. Where? 
the United States. The problem with America <laughs> is it also includes Canada and everything oh, okay, south okay. all the yeah, way down yeah, to I'm the sorry. equator yeah. for yeah. some people. Yeah. Americans are more like, I'm American. Yeah. So. Oh, for us, it's like Big Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so can uh, Donald Trump be a uh, Buddhist? Bless his heart. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you think about him for, at first? Well, <laughs> I've never met him, so I don't you never met know. Him? No. Okay. But he certainly looks like a not very happy human being to me right now. Not very Buddhist right now. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, technically, everybody has some positive thinking in them, some renunciation, compassion, faith, love, wisdom. And those are just the opposite frequencies of anger, jealousy, greed, pride, and stupid. Um, but he sure seems like he's in a very, very difficult place where uh, I don't think he expected to get there, honestly. I, I, I think he's, um, I think he ran for president because it was a phenomenal um, campaign stunt as a, uh, what's that called, a, uh, a public figure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're a public figure and you know how to work the public machinery of, you know, television and, you know, audience and ratings and all those things, and he was, he was a master of that. I think running, I, I could be totally wrong about this, but I don't think he actually expected to be in charge of the most powerful economy on the planet, for instance. I don't think he gave much thought to foreign policy when he was running three and a half years ago or whatever, you know. Mm. And now here he is. And I think it's, it doesn't look very comfortable to me. It doesn't look like it's a good fit to me. It doesn't look like he's very happy to me. Um, but hopefully he'll uh, figure out how to make meaningful contact and <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the world is uh, not in a great uh, state right now. Climate changes, uh, fires, everything like wars, uh, mm -hmm. aggression. You know, can you see any hope? Oh, sure. Yeah, th that's a wonderful question. Buddha was very adamant about this. If you study, if you study the science of you, the universe, and how everything works, Buddhism what you discover is there are no problems that don't have solutions. Huh. But it's very easy to get overwhelmed by problems if you can't start to see how to make sense out of them. So, for instance, today, I mean, we're faced with problems that are global. Mm -hmm. But they have solutions. We have to get out of anger and greed and stupid to solve them, though. And there, it seems like there's more and more, you know, anger, greed, and ignorance. So we have our that job cut out for us <laughs> as Buddhist <laughs> practitioners and teachers of, you know, what it means to make meaningful contact and what it means to stay in a healthy, connected relationship. So okay. it can be done. Okay. Come to oh, the weekend oh. workshop. And I'll give ah, more specific <laughs> answers. once again where and um, what time and you are going to be. And when you're coming next time to Estonia? Well, know? it's always a little up in the air uh, based on the schedule I have back in the States. But I generally come out once a year and I tour all over Europe from, from pretty much from Iceland now into Russia. Uh, and everything in between I can get to once a year, usually around this time. Okay. So. 
But why I have a question? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, and I have very personal, I, personal I, I, and selfish yes. uh, question. <laughs> I got a puppy who is uh, four months old. <laughs> and she's uh, like biting all the time. So what is a Buddhist way to teach her? Like be kind to her? Or okay, puppy to training. Beat I love him. this. This is so great. <laughs> so, do you do you beat the puppy? Yeah, beat <laughs> her. Or are you sweet to the puppy? It's a fine question in Buddhism. I, when I was married, before I was a monastic, when I when I was with my my lady Barb, she she decided to get a puppy, Wally. Wally is the <laughs> sweetest being on the planet you could ever hope to meet. Wally taught me a, a huge amount about Buddhism. Wally's motto in life was, it's better to be together than apart. It's better to be connected, to mm -hmm. make contact. So I thought, good slogan, little Wally. What kind of puppy is your puppy? What? Uh, Shiba Inu. Shiba Inu? Yes, uh, this, is. Is, this is a uh, Japanese, uh, like wow. a, a little bit like fox. Uh, oh, fox interesting. Kind. Yeah. Shiba. Wally was a part poodle and part schnauzer, I think. <laughs> I can't remember. What was that called? Anyway, so here's what, here's what I learned from Wally. Training Wally to behave was identical in structure to training my own mind to behave. And since I was working on training my own mind, and I was getting a lot of tools and like insights about how you train the mind to be a better you, to stay connected in your heart and all that stuff, it was really easy to train Wally. The cool thing about a puppy is, if they're more active and more like engaged, you have more opportunities to give them feedback about what works and what doesn't work. Okay, now, with that said, I'm gonna give you a simple answer to your question. There's this great guy in the United States who's a phenomenal puppy trainer. Um, oh, Ch Ch Chavez, what was his name? How oh, I shoot, know, his name I don't know. <laughs> Chavez? I think, um, something Chavez maybe? Yeah. Anyway, he was brilliant with puppies. He helped me with Wally a lot. When she bites you, cry. Cry. Let her, oh. let her know she hurts you. She won't want to hurt you. She just wants to connect to you. Oh. Yeah. So she nips you and you go, ah, and she'll come, she'll get all worried. She'll be like, oh, sorry, and she'll come lick your finger or whatever. Like, right away, she'll learn not to use so much teeth Jeez. in her. Yeah. Somebody yeah. teach me a bite, bite back? No, me. No, I would, I would not bite the back. <laughs> yeah, Although I will warn a dog, if he bites me, I'll bite him back, and I'll bite him harder than he bites me, and he'll usually be like, oh. <laughs> what, what Caesar, oh, Caesar Chavez, what Caesar said was, dogs need they need to be in a pack. They need to be connected, just like all of us, really. Mm. But with dogs, they need to know who's in charge, who's the leader of the mm -hmm. pack. And exactly. if your leadership is aggressive and, and out of center and uncomfortable, that's what you're sending out, and you magnetize that back from the dog, just like everybody else. But if you're leading from your heart, from your center, in a grounded way, where you, you have a clear sense of yourself and where you're going, the dog will just line right up with you and be like, okay, great, because we're together, let's go. So that was a lot of what Caesar taught me about. Yeah, and uh, okay. that I think is true because you know, uh, my my dog is very nice to me, but she's not as nice to my husband who wants to control and uh, you know yeah. to teach and. <laughs> So now you need to be careful. <laughs> you may be spoiling the dog, and she just likes to be spoiled more than she Bite likes to be husband. trained. This is true. This is so we have to, of course. We'd, have to, we'd have to do a little diagnosis, but that's for another weekend workshop. I think we'll. We can, yeah, we are. Next time I come back, I'll do a dog training workshop for you if you'd like. So. Oh my God! Okay, this is really very funny. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was a very, very great discussion, Eric. 
Thank you. Pronounce, tell us your real uh, Lama name. This long one. Oh no, that would yes. be Lama <laughs> Eric is plenty. Lama <laughs> Eric is plenty. I want to thank you as well for for <laughs> letting me to join you for a little while and, okay. and and for the space you created. I think it's really lovely to have programming that's designed to talk about meaningful contact and what it means to be connected in a meaningful and healthy way. I think that's really a beautiful thing to be putting into the world. So thank you both for what you're doing. And, thank you. For and uh, for, for letting me join you for a little while. It's very sweet of you. Thank you. And I Thank hope you. to see you all at the library. Actually, we should say this really clearly. So the workshop this weekend is probably not what you want to come to. What you want to do is join us Friday at the library at 6 p.m. Okay. That's more of a public introduction. And if you come to the, to the big library Friday at 6 p.m., then we'll talk about the basic principles and, and you get a better sense of like what this is all about and, and who I am and what I'm offering, where it came from. And then, and then it would allow you to make a decision about whether or not you wanted to like enter into a weekend workshop. We do want people to come to that first so that I don't have to explain everything from scratch on the weekend. Okei, okei. Tulkaa olkaa kohe esal päeval kohal ja pean lisama võibolla siia, et see on ka tasuta. Aga, see tahtsid lisada, aga, kellel on rahakoti nurgas raha natukene, siis alati võib ka annetusi anda, jagada. Jah, sest et see õpetus tuleb ju kuidagi viisi. See tähendab, et õpetus, vaid just Laama Eriku sõit ja siin viibimine tuleb. Laamad söövad ka. Jah. Ja võtavad natuke alkoholiga. Aga väga tore, et te mind vaatasite mind, issad jumal, palen enese, kes neid vaatasite ja ma arvan, et Lamma Eerik tuleb siia Eestisse veel kordi tagasi, kui ta on juba praegu nii palju kordi käinud, siis selge see, et ta on Eestisse armunud ja me näeme teda veel ja veel ja veel. Thank you, Eerik. Thank you. Very welcome. Thank you. It's nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. All right, hope to see you on Friday. Yes. Yoo-hoo! <laughs>